This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You are listening to In a City Like Yours, a semi-monthly podcast featuring interesting people with interesting life stories. This podcast may contain language and or subject matter not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I'm your host, Michael G. Moore. Please visit our website at inacitylikeyours.com. That's I-N-A-C-I-T-Y. L-I-K-E-Y-O-U-R-S dot C-O-M for links to our social media, all popular podcast platforms, and links of interest pertaining to all episodes. On this episode, I welcome Joe to the show. Joe is a writer, director, producer, and special effects artist working in the horror film industry. He is best known for his cult classic film, Terror Tunes, and its sequels. Join us as Joe discusses his early film career, and his horror film exploits with his partner of over 20 years, Stephen. Here is Joe's story. My name is Joe Castro, and I am a director and a producer, and I create special effects and a visual effects supervisor for motion pictures out in Hollywood, California. And uh, I've been doing this for quite some time now. You know, I decided to begin a career in this field when I was seven years old. And uh, most people at seven don't know exactly what they want to do. But my father was, uh, was one of my biggest supporters growing up. And he knew at the age of seven that I was very interested in dragons and dinosaurs. And I wasn't really big in sports uh, but I was interested in the arts, and uh, he was always there to encourage me to do what I loved. And one weekend in the middle of summer in 1977, my father uh, was babysitting me because my mother was away on a on a trip with her girlfriends, her work friends. He said, "Here, son, sit down and watch this on TV. You're going to love it. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to I'm going to do doing some work out on the ranch. I grew up on a big." goat ranch uh, 55 acres in in south texas near san antonio sure enough my dad knew exactly what i would like it was godzilla versus the smog monster and he knew that i liked dinosaurs and i liked dragons so godzilla was like just a natural course to take an interest in as far as uh film and television and um you know that movie i remember watching that movie and when that movie was over i knew exactly what i wanted to do with my life uh i knew that i wanted to make special effects and creatures i wanted to make motion pictures you know i've been uh, i've been chasing that dream ever since i i i i i, I tried to uh gather information as best as i could you know in 1977 to become a special effects artist and a director in south texas um and how i did that was um you know i started reading magazines uh that had uh interviews with other special effects artists in them and other directors 
And there was a, a man, his name is Forrest J. Ackerman. Most people don't know this, but Forrest J. Ackerman is the very first sci-fi horror fan ever. That's because when Forrest was a young, young man, he would sneak onto the Universal backlot here in Hollywood, California at Universal Studios. And he went onto the movie set of like the original Dracula with Bela Lugosi. Now, Forrest passed away in the early 2000s, but Forrest was able to meet Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff and all these people. Forrest actually had a little bottle of blood that they used in the movie Dracula with Bela Lugosi. And I remember he always carried, he always had it with him. He didn't have it with him, but he had it with him uh, to the day he died in his house. And he, it's one of his prized possessions. He also owned the, the ring that Bela Lugosi wore on his hand that he would hypnotize people with. And when he'd say, look into my eyes, and he put his hand out that Dracula ring. And um, he wore that all the time religiously. But either way, Forrest G. Ackerman, the very first sci-fi horror fan ever, started a magazine called Famous Monsters of Filmland. And when I was seven years old, I could go to the local supermarket uh, where they had a mag big giant magazine stand, a magazine rack. They don't have those anymore today in grocery stores, but they had them back then. And uh, I could buy Famous Monsters of Filmland. And Forrest would uh, interview famous directors like Joe Dante and uh, John Landis and uh, Rick Baker, the special effects artist, and Toby Hooper, who directed uh, the original Poltergeist and the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And in these articles, the directors and the special effects artists that made these movies would give detailed descriptions about how they went about making this movie magic. And... Um, you know, I just sucked all that up like a sponge, you know. By the time I was 12, I had graduated to other magazines that I found that were highly informative. Fangoria magazine, which is still in publication today, also did the same. They would interview directors and special effects artists. Even though their format has changed today, it's not so much the same. I wish they would go back to their original format. But they would interview special effects artists and these special effects artists would give really detailed descriptions about how they would go about making some of these creatures and these characters and some of these special effects in movies. So they were a really good uh, uh, example of uh, where to go and what to look for and how to go about creating your own special effects for your own movies. So when I was 12 years old, uh, I was uh, highly investing most of my time studying Fangoria famous monsters of Filmland. There were a couple of other magazines, but one of them in particular, on my 12th birthday I found, and I know this very specifically because my cousin Eddie Paris, he was 22 years older than me at the time. For my 12th birthday, he took me to a sci-fi horror magazine collectible store in San Antonio, Texas. And he said, whatever you want, pick out whatever you want and I'll buy it for you for your birthday. And I found this magazine. It was called Cinemagic. And it was a very, a very small publication. It wasn't a big, thick magazine. And it was put together by other special effects artists and directors that were independent. They were trying to learn how to make their own movies. And that magazine changed my entire world. 
because in this one magazine, I could literally correspond with other directors and special effects artists all over the country, all over the world, anybody who read it and, and wrote in uh, articles and had a subscription to the magazine. And we would all talk kind of like in a forum. It was kind of like Facebook, but in a magazine print. If you got a subscription to the magazine, you were allowed to have a little five line paragraph in the back of the magazine where you could say whatever you wanted. You could put your name, your phone number, what you were interested in, where someone could contact you. And so that's what I did. I, I put my name and my phone number and I said, hi, my name is Joe Castro. Back then I was Joey Castro. And I said, uh, if you you know live in this South Texas area or you're interested in talking about special effects, this is my phone number. Please call me. And sure enough, I made I corresponded and made friends with other people that wanted to do, to do the same thing that I did. And uh, but that that particular issue that I bought, it was issue number six. It taught me how to make a rubber mask. It had step by step instructions on how to create the foundation of all special effects when it comes to making like creatures or life casts of people or anything in that area. So that uh, that that one uh, magazine totally changed my world. And if you Google it online today, you can still find that issue. It's Cinemagic, which is spelled C-I-N-E, magic, and it's issue number six. And on the cover, it has a man who looks like he's being created by an alien. And the alien is wearing a rubber mask. And it says, bring your alien to life on the cover. And if you open up the magazine or if you look for the pages of that issue online, It'll give you those step-by-step -step instructions on how to create your own full-head custom rubber mask from scratch. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, 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 I ran with it, and I was very experimental. I tried to do all kinds of things using these techniques. And uh, at the same year, my mother and my father bought me a camcorder, VHS camcorder camera, the first retail-sold video camera. To the home consumer market came out that year it was 1982 i was 12 years old i got that for christmas i believe my mother said uh here you go here's your education here's your college education right here because uh at the time it cost 2200 for that um for that camera and uh that was a lot of money for my parents who were a goat ranch farmer and a school teacher and so they knew that's what I really wanted to do with my career and my life. So they knew that it was going to be very beneficial to me. And um, yeah, I started making home movies and I started creating the special effects that I would use in my movies. So I would write films basically uh, centered around special effects that I wanted to create. And I would have all my friends from school come over on the weekends, play actors in my films and uh, Sometimes I would make a slasher film. Sometimes I would make a zombie film. Sometimes I would make a creature movie. You know, I, I, I made some really close friends at school that were also very interested in making films as well. And one of them in particular lived about a mile from my house. His name was Kevin Williams. And Kevin is still my, my best friend today, one of my best friends. And uh, we're still very close. So Kevin and I literally spent, I believe it was from our seventh grade summer all the way to like, our sophomore year in high school, just making home movies, horror movies, watching horror movies, studying special effects, making films, 
Kevin uh, went off on his on a different path and uh, chose a different career, but he still has an interest in making horror films. And I'm pretty sure one of these days he's going to come out to L.A. and we're going to make a movie together soon. But uh, and I went off on another direction and I I continued uh, studying my career in filmmaking and I moved to Los Angeles, California in 1989, and started to um, meet people in the industry. And I had actually had a small brush with uh, some of these people in 1985 before I moved out to LA when I won an international special effects makeup contest through the same magazine that Forrest G. Ackerman put out. Well, actually it was a like a sister magazine of it, but it was by the same editor, Forrest G. Ackerman. This one was called Monsterland and Monsterland magazine uh, had a contest where you were going to, they, they invited you, any, everybody to make a special effects creation and send it into the magazine, and the best one was going to win a trip to Hollywood. Uh, one of the few requirements was that you had to be under the age of 18, so everybody was on the same competing level. Joe Dante, who is uh, the director of Gremlins, and uh, Joe Dante directed The Howling and uh, Explorers, and he's done a lot of, of, of amazing films. He was one of the judges, and John Carl Beekler, who just passed away last year, John Carl Beekler was a special effects artist and a director of uh, the Friday 13th Part 7 uh, from the uh, Paramount franchise, and he also directed one of my favorite films, Troll. He was one of the judges as well. And so Joe Dante and John Carl Beekler picked my, 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 uh, my special effects entry as the winner of the contest. And uh, I was flown out to Los Angeles where I got to meet Joe Dante and John Carl Beekler and many other people in the industry. Uh, and I also got to meet Brink Stevens, who was at the time just starting her career in acting. And she was uh, later on going to become one of my best friends in the industry. And she still is my best friend today. She only lives about a mile and a half from my house uh, here in Hollywood. And I got to meet her and I got to meet a lot of people. So when I came out here in 89, I already had a little... Uh, connection to Hollywood and I was able to naturally move into the field of working with other effects artists and working on movies and uh, you know I eventually ended up making my first feature film uh, with a friend of mine that I met his name is Steven Gaynor and Steve Gaynor is now a very well-known successful director of photography Steve and I produced a movie together titled Ceremony and more uh, I later on retitled it Ceremony the Resurrection of Evil and uh, we shot this movie in a friend of mine's house uh, in here in Hollywood, California, just below the Griffith Observatory in Griffith Park. Uh, and uh, we shot this uh, movie over a period of 14 days uh, with Panavision camera and lenses on 35 millimeter film, which is a very different way of making a movie than most young people are making them today. Back then in 1993, you had to shoot a movie on film and the movie, uh, the, the film had to be developed and processed and transferred uh, to uh, analog video, which was beta SP at the time, in order for you to edit it, unless you were cutting the negative, which was a very expensive process. So making a film back then was a real big feat and a real big accomplishment if you could get it done. And we were able to get it done and uh, get it into the video stores, and that was my, my very first uh, feature film uh, ceremony. And it, just all the stars aligned, and Forrest G. Ackerman, the editor of the very first horror sci-fi magazine ever and the man who introduced me to Hollywood became the star of my very first feature film. Forrest Shackerman was the name talent in my 
and our movie ceremony. I'm so honored and grateful to have had him in my life, even though he, like I said, he did pass away in the early 2000s. You know, it was uh, it was a lot of trial and error after that. You make your first movie, you get rejected, you have some small success, you move on to the next one. My career went on to, I moved back home to Texas for a small stint uh, where my father had passed away and uh, in a horrible accident. Uh, and um, I decided to make my second movie in, in, uh, in, in my hometown in Holotus, Texas on my father's goat ranch. And the movie was titled Legend of the Chupacabra. And it was the very first ever Chupacabra movie ever made. Since then, many people have made movies about the Chupacabra. But mine was the first, and we shot it in 1997. And the year my father passed away, right after he passed away, on the goat ranch to, to, uh, to uh, in, in memorandum of him, I dedicated the movie to him. And it was later released uh, by Chroma Entertainment. This is on the, on the set of this film is where I met my partner of 21 years, Steven Escobar. I've been with Steve uh, for 21 years now, and we have uh, made 12 feature films together. I met Steven on the, uh, while, while editing the movie Legend of the Chupacabra. I had, had had some trouble putting it together, and Steven was an editor and also a producer. And he said, here, let me help you finish this film and get it ready for distribution. And that's where we began our professional relationship together. And later on, uh, we realized that we were chasing the same dream together. And he has become my life partner now for 21 years. And I'm so grateful and so honored to have him in my life. And uh, we keep chasing that dream together. And it's, it's been an amazing journey so far. And so Stephen and I naturally decided that we would move back out to Los Angeles together to pursue our career in filmmaking. We came out here uh, in the year 2000. You know, Steve didn't know anybody. I knew some people already so uh they threw a whole bunch of money my way and i began working again doing what i was doing and uh meanwhile we were trying to find steve a job doing what he had skills at which was editing and producing uh steve finally got a job on the um the television show uh i believe it was called blind date it had several seasons and steve became a very successful editor and he actually has an emmy he has an emmy for outstanding editing in reality television programming and we continued making movies together and you know it was about that time right after we first moved out here that i had a, an amazing opportunity to make a movie with steven and uh, we decided to bring another friend of ours from texas out to los angeles to shoot it because we decided to shoot a movie in three days the entire movie was going to be shot in three days and we had a budget of twenty five hundred dollars that's $2,500 to shoot an entire movie. And we were going to shoot the entire thing on video. We weren't going to shoot it on film. And uh, we were going to shoot it at uh, a friend of mine's house who was going to put up the $2,500 to make the film. All the stars aligned, and we made this crazy cult hit movie. It's titled Terror Tunes. And that's spelled terror, T-O-O-N-S. Tunes, like cartoons. And it's a movie about killer cartoons. It's basically a movie about some evil cartoons that were made by the devil to uh, wreck havoc all over the world. We wrote the script within a matter of a couple of weeks, and we shot the entire movie in three days over Easter weekend, which was a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday in 2001, I believe. You know, it was a life-changing event. 
because what happened was after we were done shooting this film, uh, Steve and I used, well, technology that is now very common to young people. But at the time, After Effects was not commonly used by most people. This was, like I said, in 2001. Steve taught himself how to use After Effects, and we made the first kind of like CGI shot on video cult movie, uh, very similar to what TV shows are being produced with today, like, well, let's say Adult Swim and on the internet. But uh, 20 years ago, no one was doing it. And so we had this very unique film uh, that was shot for, we brought it in actually at $2,300. We actually were $200 under budget. Blockbuster, every blockbuster in America picked up the movie. And that was a really big deal because our $2,300 movie was sitting right on the video shelf next to Pirates of the Caribbean. That's a major accomplishment. We had eight copies in every blockbuster in America, eight copies in every Hollywood video. At the time, Netflix was just beginning. I think they picked up like something like 2,200 copies right off the back. I believe we moved like 50,000 units of the film in the first two weeks alone. And that was, uh, that was an amazing accomplishment. And since then, the, we've made uh, uh, four sequels to the film because it became an overnight cult phenomenon. You know, there was just nothing like it out in the market. And so that's what I think made it so attractive. Everybody wanted something new and something different. And even though it was shot very inexpensively and it's very uh, has a very, you know, uh, B-movie, low-budget look to it, it still is extremely entertaining. You know, you can have a very expensive movie and it can be a real bore, but you can have a real cheesy movie and it can be completely entertaining. And that's what we made, a very entertaining, cheesy movie. You know, it has its own fan following. Uh, that's why we keep making them, because people still want to see them. And the two characters in the film are very popular characters, Dr. Carnage and Max Assassin. Those are some crazy characters that uh, I came up with the concept of. And I had a good friend of mine, who's also a special effects artist, create the characters, uh, sculpt and create them uh, based on my design. Like I said, we shot this movie in three days. And uh, uh, I don't think I could ever do that again in three days. Uh, but I don't know, stranger things have happened. You know, that was uh, uh, almost 20 years ago. Uh, I don't know if I can move as fast as I did then, but you know, I guess if someone asked me to do it, I would definitely give it a good try. So, and then moving on, right after that, movie was a big success. I had the opportunity to meet a man that had deeply inspired me. It was the man that created the very first slasher movie ever. And how do I know this? How do I know that he created the very first slasher movie ever? Because in 1963, a man named Herschel Gordon Lewis directed a movie titled Blood Feast. And I'm going to put this out there. Tell me if this storyline sounds familiar to anyone. A deranged killer stalks innocent victims one by one, killing each one graphically on screen in a horrific death, only to be killed by the hands of the hero or the heroine of the movie in an even more horrific death at the end of the film, in the climax. That is the storyline of every slasher movie ever made. And Herschel made that storyline in 1963 with his very first slasher movie ever, Blood Feast. So if you're a big horror fan and you like slasher movies and you've never seen Blood Feast, you have to see it. Your education into the world of horror is incomplete. So 
in uh, 2001, after I finished Terror Tunes and it became a hit, I was asked to create the special effects for Blood Feast 2. Herschel was going to make the sequel to his 1963 smash hit uh, in uh, 2001, and uh, they needed a special effects artist, and I was asked to do it. So here we are, uh, 1963, 2001, what is that? Something like, uh, 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 how many years is that later? Like 20, uh, 37 years or something like that. Uh, many, many years later, over three decades later, uh, he's decided he wanted to make the sequel to it. I came out to uh, New Orleans where they were shooting it, just outside of New Orleans, and I got to meet Herschel Gordon Lewis, this man who shot, wrote, directed, edited, created all the sound, and he created all the special effects for the very slasher, very first slasher movie ever. I got to meet this man, and this man changed my life. He um, was an amazing, talented man, and a very kind man, and a very professional man. He became my, my good friend, and uh, I'd already lost my father in 1997, and Herschel became uh, very instrumental in uh, showing me a prime example of what a man how a man should behave, carry himself, and be. Before Herschel died, Herschel died about three years ago, and before Herschel died, I made a promise to him that I would uh, always treat others with the same kindness and respect he always showed me, and that I would honor his name, and always speak about him in a positive light, and he should be honored for all that he has given the genre of horror and slasher movies forever. He should always be remembered as the very first slasher director. You know, I, I told Herschel that I would, uh, I would honor his name and I would honor his films. And, you know, I made him happy. He told me, this makes me very happy, Joe. Um, at the time, I didn't know he was sick when I told, when I told him this. And he died uh, shortly thereafter, almost a month later. Um, but uh, before he died... Uh, my partner Steven and I were able to interview him on, on camera, an interview that we have not yet released. And he told us, he told me uh, the blood formula for his original 1963 slasher movie. He told me that, and so I'm basically the caretaker of the blood formula from that first film, and um, I still use it. I still use the blood formula uh, sometimes on movie sets. Uh, it has its purpose and it has its place in the film world today for me and uh, I still like to use it and uh, when I bring it on set I, I let everybody know this is uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis blood feeds blood right here you know I uh, kind of bless the set with it and I use it it makes me uh, proud to know that I can share uh, Herschel's magic still today with everybody in the world but so Herschel went on to um make up we, we, we worked on blood feast 2 together and that became a, a big cult hit as well a very graphic film a lot of gore a lot of special effects ripping people's guts out there's an amazing scene where a woman is um has all of her skin peeled off of her head like you would peel an orange basically and then the top of her head is cut off with a turkey carver her skull cap is removed and her brains are pulled out of her head. I made a, a, a mechanical puppet of the actress and uh, of her skin and her face and her jaw and her eyes so it would move because Herschel wanted it to be very graphic. 
And I remember when we were shooting the scene, I put the blood and the slime and the gore, you know, underneath the skin. So when the skin was peeled away, you would see all the bloody, gory bits and pieces. And on the first take, when it happened, Herschel said, cut, that's not gory enough. And I said, what What do you mean? It's covered in blood. It's covered in slime. What more do you this is just not gory enough, Joe. I said, make it gorier. Or he said, make it gorier. So I did my best. And we did a couple more takes. And he said, nope, no, nope, that's just not gory enough. He said, come over here. So I went with Herschel and we took a bucket and we went over to the craft service table where all the food from lunch was sitting. And he said, put some of that in there. And he pointed to do some mashed potatoes that we had from lunch. He said, now put some of that over there and there. And he pointed out some chick- chicken parts that were left over off some chicken bones. And he said, now put some of that in there. And he put some salad dressing in it. And uh, he said, now mix that all up. He goes, that looks pretty good. Now bring that and put some blood on that and put it on the head. That'll make it gross. And sure enough, it did. So Herschel taught me how to make my gore even gorier and more gross. And uh, he was just a very talented, entertaining man. And uh, later on, he... Uh, we uh, we shot a movie together. It's called Terror Tunes Three. It was the third Terror Tunes in the franchise. He uh, he was the star of that film. I went to Florida to shoot his parts with my partner Steven Escobar, and uh, that movie was released three years ago. And uh, it's available now on Vimeo. If you have Vimeo, you can see Herschel Gordon Lewis in Terror Tunes Three. In fact, you can get all three of the Terror Tunes that are released now uh, on Vimeo, and one and two are available on Amazon Prime. And so, you know, Herschel and I uh, had a very professional and friendly relationship for many years. And he still inspires me to this day, even though he's passed on. So further on, uh, I have been working in special effects for quite some time now. And, you know, I I worked with many, many talented directors. You know, uh, I'd like to mention I worked with Thomas Churchill recently on several films. Uh, the most important one we worked on together was a movie titled Xenophobia. Now, a few years ago, if you would have Googled the word xenophobia for the definition, it would have said the fear of aliens or the fear of foreigners or anything unknown. Of course, today, in today's political climate, it means the fear of illegal aliens or the you know, the fear of of people who are foreign to our country. But uh, our film, Xenophobia, centers around the fear of aliens, like extraterrestrial aliens. It's a science fiction film with a little bit of horror element in it. And if you like practical special effects and you like uh, Star Wars and you like uh, alien horror movies from the 80s, you'll love this film because all the aliens in the film are built practically. And once again, um, like Terror Tunes, which was the first of its kind, Xenophobia is the first of its kind as well. It is a the first ever alien abduction anthology movie. And basically, it centers around uh, these five strangers. They come together in a support group, in an alien abduction support group, to talk about their experiences being abducted, being possessed by aliens, basically in having a close encounter with aliens. And so we get to see their experiences and we get to see these different races of aliens that uh, they've encountered. And uh, so Thomas Churchill 
and my partner Steven Escobar and myself co-wrote, co-directed, and co-produced this film. And it's out right now uh, at every uh, Walmart in America. You can also get it on Amazon uh, DVD and Amazon Instant Video and all the uh, streaming platforms uh, that are available to the public. It's uh, it's everywhere right now. So if you get a chance to check that out, it's a great creepy film for the uh, the holiday uh, haunting holiday season. I worked on several films with Thomas. Uh, one of them in particular that won't be out till next year. But and I can't give away too many details about it because it is hush hush. I, I can't even give the title of it out. But I will say that Thomas gave me the opportunity to build the largest creature I've ever built in my entire life, as far as special effects are concerned. When he approached me to make this creature, I can't give any way details about what it is, but I can tell you this. When he approached me to make the creature, he said, I want the creature to be able to bite someone in half with one bite. Kind of like Jaws is what he said. You know, like the way the Jaws shark was able to bite someone in half. So it has to be that big. And I was like, wow, awesome. We can do this. So like I said, it's the biggest creature I've made and it's all practical. And it's going to be coming out um, uh, in 2020. I believe it comes out February of 2020. Uh, so be on the lookout for a giant creature film directed by Thomas Churchill and special effects by me, Joe Castro. So, um, you know, I worked with uh, David Sterling. David Sterling uh, gave me an opportunity to direct several movies that are really cool cult films. Maniacal, Butchered, Evil Unleashed, Blood Sisters. Recently, I drew, uh, worked with uh, Dave Sterling on The Curse of La Llorona, and my favorite title, one of my favorite all-time titles. The movie's not out yet, but it should be coming out soon. It's called Vampire Campfire, my favorite title of any film I've ever worked on, uh, and uh, David uh, hired me to do the special effects for that film. So be on the lookout for Dave Sterling's new movies. He, he, we're also working on a film this weekend we're shooting. It's called The Occultist 2. And I believe it's being directed by Tom Newth, and I'm providing all the gore and special effects for the movie as well. And then I also want to talk about uh, Brink Stevens a little bit. Brink Stevens, I mentioned earlier, Brink Stevens is a scream queen and a very talented writer and now director. She is uh, directing her own feature films now, and she's been in over 200 movies. So I think that pretty much qualifies her to produce and direct and write her own films. Steven and I hired Brink to write, produce, direct, and star in her very first film that she was able to accomplish all those, uh, wear all those hats in. And it was a movie titled Personal Demons. She wrote it herself and she directed it and produced it. And she cast the film and she stars in the film. The movie should be coming out soon, like within the next, uh, within the next year, I hope. Uh, but it is complete already. It's a really, really amazing piece of work. And uh, I'm just so proud to know Brink. I'm so proud to work with her. Brink's also in Xenophobia. And if you don't know who Brink Stevens is, Google her, Brink Stevens. Brink is spelled B-R-I-N-K-E, Stevens with a V. She's, like I said, been in over 200 movies, and she has just this amazing body of work. And she's an amazing human being to know as well. Uh, you can catch her at most of the horror cons. So, um, yeah, Brink has uh, been a big influence in my life. And, um, uh, you know, I, since meeting her and working with all these other professional people, have uh, really had the ability to chase my dream. And um, 
you know, I uh, I made a promise to my father when I was 18 years old before I left the house to move out to Los Angeles. He uh, he looked at me and said, "Son, I want you to promise me that you will never stop chasing your dreams." He knew that that was the only thing that was going to make me happy, and so I prom made a promise to him. I remember it was in 1988. I remember specifically we were on the front porch, and he asked me. He told me that in kind of like almost in secrecy and privacy, because he knew that my family had other ideas for my career, but he himself knew that I would only be happy if I continued to always chase my dream. So I kept that promise to my father, and my partner Steven Escobar and I still chase this dream of making movies, making the world a much happier, fun place to be, one film at a time. You know, I uh, you know I invite anybody. Uh, that's interested in working on films or working with me or working with my partner Steven to reach out to me on Facebook. You can reach me at facebook.com backslash joe.castro or you can uh, send me a message on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram account is joe underscore castro underscore director. Yeah, reach out and say hello and uh, let's make some movies. One last thing I'll leave everybody with is uh, Halloween is always a very big influential part of my year on Halloween I like to test out or like just do everything I've wanted to try throughout the year I do it on myself on Halloween as far as special effects makeup is concerned you know it's a big uh, it's a big big deal it's a big ordeal I personally like to get dressed up in the daytime and go out in broad daylight where everybody can really see the details of my costume and I wear it into the night. So it has to be something that really sticks to, sticks to me all day long. It's very elaborate. It's always something very crazy, very elaborate, very over the top. And it's very scandalous. And if you Google Joe Castro Halloween, you will see some of my Halloween costumes. And so this year, I'm going to try and outdo myself from last year, of course. I mean, why bother if you're not going to outdo yourself? Uh, and so... I have a lot on my plate right now, but uh, I'm hoping to uh, take the time. I need a few days to uh, prepare the costume and put it together. And uh, come over and say hello to me on my Facebook page and my Instagram account. I'll post some pictures of my Halloween costume this year. Uh, but, uh, you know, for now, all I have to say is uh, if you're interested in a career in special effects or filmmaking, to uh, always chase your dreams and never give up and uh, always treat others with uh, the way that you wish to be treated with kindness and respect, and you will go far.